What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to this side hustle show because choosing what's next doesn't mean choosing what's forever. Along those lines, I've got a pandemic pivot story for you today featuring Timmy Bauer from dinosaurhouse.com. Timmy, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. So if we rewind the clock a couple years, Timmy, you're making a living as a traveling children's book author doing book events, readings, speaking gigs at schools, and income-wise, you described it as just above the poverty line. I'm getting by, but you know, it's it's fun work, it's rewarding work. And then, as we all know, those in-person gigs get shut down and along with those, most of the revenue. But you turned lemons, in this case, into lemonade by pivoting into what I think is a really creative new direction I'm excited to get into because I think it illustrates the opportunities that aren't necessarily a complete 180 from where you're at. Sometimes it's just this slight recalibration, like a couple degrees in one direction or the other that uh, can really set you off on a new path. And that new path has turned into a six-figure business in the last 12 months. So stick around in this episode to hear how you might be able to take your existing skills and knowledge to serve just a different customer base and how Timmy got that done. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash Timmy. So maybe you kick us off with uh, the big reveal. What was that pivot? So I went from being a traveling kids book author to running a kids book production company. And basically I turn industry leaders into kids book authors. That's a very cool. When we first connected, I was like, I have never heard of that. What a cool creative business. What was the inspiration to make that change aside from the aside from the necessity so first thing that happened was obviously all of the ability to tour was completely dependent on whether schools were allowing guests to come to their school and when covid was even just still kind of like a ooh what's covid schools started saying no more guests so boom there went my source of income i went back to my best friend james who runs a company called sweetfish and i was like hey do you need a writer he said, always. So I'm working for him as a writer. I level up to content strategist. I'm kind of in charge of different podcasts that the company produces and making sure that they are producing good content. And while I'm doing that, I stumble across this guy named John Barrows who wrote a kid's book called I Want to Be in Sales When I Grow Up. And I interviewed him and I asked him, you know, why did he write a kid's book about sales? And he basically said that because of what he does, you know, traveling and speaking and all that kind of stuff, like people always ask, like, if he's written a book, and he didn't just want to write another book, because there's so many books on sales. So instead, he with his daughter made it the kids book, I want to be in sales when I grow up. And he's now kind of known in the B2B sales space as a, the guy that wrote the kids book on sales. Okay. When I was interviewing him, I was like, that's very interesting. There should be a the person that wrote the kids book on fill in the blank, every industry, like whoever the industry leading person is for like influencing that industry, they should write the kids book that everyone in that industry would want to read with their kids. And there wasn't a company that was doing that. Yeah, there's tons of companies out there that will, you know, be your professional ghostwriting service and try and turn your, you know, thought leader expertise into a book as a business card type of a play. And then there's a whole other industry that will help you do your launch and get on bestseller lists and, you know, land speaking gigs and all this stuff. But this is a, a slight pivot on that to say, well, or a, I guess a, a niching down on that well, was like, well, I already have some experience in the children's publishing space. So maybe I could be this guy to help people make their 
knowledge and expertise into a compelling kids book. Yeah. I mean, who knew, who knew that I could make money producing other people's, but like, it's so weird because I was coming from a, a really like hustle grind, like, you know, I'm working my butt off to make a living on book sales, which is practically unheard of. And, you know, you're trying to make a full-time living on $15 books and then realizing that I could just turn that expertise of like, okay, I've spent six years performing in front of kids. I know exactly what makes them burst out laughing, what makes them get addicted to a kid's book. And I know that everybody's fighting for their potential customers and their audience's attention. And you can capture a moment in their day in the same way that you would try to produce your industry's favorite podcast to listen to that they would listen to when they're doing the dishes. You can also capture another moment of their day and be really impactful in their relationship with their kids if you are if you're capturing that moment of the day where they're reading uh, their kids favorite book to them at bedtime. It's a weird concept. I still like we'll talk about it with people and some people will like freak out and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's brilliant." And other people are like, "Oh my gosh, that's creepy." <laughs> but <laughs> but at the end of the day, like if you're responsible for creating your audiences, your industry's favorite book to read with their kids at bedtime, you have forever gotten sort of like a piece of their life and their attention. Yeah, cuz as I mean, as a parent, these some of these books, the favorite ones, like get on repeat and you read them over and over and over again. Yes. And yeah, this, it's an interesting place to be. So I guess maybe from your customer's standpoint, what's in it for them? Like why why is that a cool place to be? So most of my customers fall into one of two categories. They are either an industry influencer type of person that goes and does, you know, speaking gigs and tours and that kind of stuff. And they've already written a book for adults. And it just makes sense that they would have products to sell. So like they might get paid several thousand dollars to do one speaking gig. Well, so Dinosaur House is essentially asking for one of their speaking gig checks in exchange for giving them a product that they're going to sell at every gig. And people are going to flock to their kids book probably more than they even flock to their book for adults. So for that group, it makes sense for that reason. The other group that we typically have as customers are B2B businesses where the customer for them is like the decision maker. You know, one decision has very high MRR. So it makes sense for, and, and they typically have a target account list that they are, are targeting to try to get into relationships with these target accounts. And so really thoughtful gift giving is part of what it takes to build relationships with your target accounts. And this is a very thoughtful gift. You can be like, Hey, you know, you guys are hoteliers. We made the kids book that talks about what a hotelier is so that you can read this with your kids. So if a customer of yours has a business that is serving the hotel owner market in some way, yes, they write the book on what it's like to be a hotel owner. And then they, exactly. They, send that out as a you know a very creative gift that cuts through the clutter and the and the hotel owners read it to their kids and 
Now they have. Yes. Okay. And then if Dinosaur House did our job right, those kids are asking that hotel owner to read that book to them over and over and over again. Okay. And so then you are top of mind if they need such and such service that you eventually provide. Okay. Sorry, I was trying to connect. That's the strategy behind it. And I've, I've also learned from talking about it so much that people kind of get turned off. I'm a very strategic thinker and people kind of get turned off by strategy and, you know, turned on by heart. The bigger overarching reason for why I wanted to create Dinosaur House was because I want to connect parents with their kids over what one of them is passionate about. So in this case, what mom and dad do for a living. It just so happens that it's also incredibly strategic if you're a B2B business. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So if somebody had the, you know, what does daddy do all day while well, he talks into this microphone? I think we asked my my older son, like, what does daddy do for work? Has meetings, <laughs> talks to people, you know, types on the computer. Kind of thing. He's like, well, you know, if you could explain what a podcast is and the powerful reach, like if there's a podcasting book for kids, I'm sure there's something out there. That's really interesting. We did one. Oh, okay, <laughs> I want to have a podcast when I grow nice. up. Nice. All right. Yeah. So yeah, perfect example of that. Tell me about from idea to execution. Say, okay, I want to have this production company. I'm inspired by John Barros and I want to be in sales when I grow up. What's the path look like from that spark of inspiration to like, my first paying customer. So I essentially went to six of my friends that were entrepreneurs and just said, Hey, here's the idea. Scribe media, but it's kids books instead. So all you do is zoom calls with me. And after some period of production, we will have turned the information we got from you in those zoom calls into a kid's book that your audience loves reading with their kids. And it's potentially their kid's favorite book. What do you think about that? And they were like, we're in, what's the, what's the price? And I, on the very beginning, had no idea what to sell it for. I thought I'm mostly monetizing my own time because I'm an author illustrator. I've got one outsourced design team that I can pay. I just sold it for 500 bucks. So six people, 500 bucks, boom, just like that. I had that money and now I could try to figure out, okay, how am I going to actually execute this? And um, it was quite a process figuring out how to execute it. And my price was went up almost each time I got a new customer. Yeah, I'm looking at the Dinosaur House pricing now, and it's, it's 10x, at least for the uh, you know, middle-of-the-road service. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's 6K for our standard uh, service. This is an awesome moment. This is the exact point in time when the business goes from pre-revenue to revenue. And when that happens for you, and I believe it's not if, it's when, when that happens for you, that's when you start up your 30-day free trial of our sponsor, FreshBooks, at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. You fire up a professional-looking branded invoice in just a few clicks, and you get paid fast. This is the award-winning all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like you. On the surface, yes, it's an invoicing and bookkeeping tool, but a little deeper, and it's really a time-saving tool. How FreshBooks works is it takes all of the not-so-fun parts of running a business, like building and tracking invoices, like tracking receipt data for easier expenses, like managing online payments, and just automates and simplifies them. Consistent FreshBooks users report saving up to 11 hours a week in the process. That's a lot more time to move your business forward, serve your customers, and practice your craft. And with tax season upon us, FreshBooks has your back here as well. Inside your intuitive dashboard, you'll find a ton of reports to choose from, so you'll know exactly where your business stands, and you can easily hand over the keys to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Give FreshBooks a try for free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get 
get more time back to build the business you love. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. Okay, but this is the initial validation. Yes, people are willing to pay for this. Now you got to figure out how to get it done. So you do these Zoom calls and you talk to them about their expertise and you're thinking like, how am I going to turn this into something that is entertaining for kids to read if it's kind of dry material? Like what does that process look like for you? On the beginning, I had no idea even what questions to ask these folks. So I would do, you know, 30 to 45 minute Zoom call. And in my head, I know I'm like, okay, I'm talking to like busy entrepreneurs that want to just put the whole process in my hands. So they probably want to do one Zoom call with me. And, you know, okay, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I have no idea what to ask them. I'm kind of asking them all kinds of different questions. What kids books do they like? What's their vision and their mission like with their company? What do their customers care about? I really had no idea what questions to ask, but I was just trying to pull out different themes that they would want to be part of their kids book. And then I would craft a story off of that Zoom call that I thought would be full of what I call reaction triggers, which is every beat of your story needs to get a physical reaction out of a kid. It either needs to make them laugh, gross them out, scare them, or do something to them because that is what <laughs> kids like in a, in a book. Yeah. And so we write a story that communicates whatever message I was able to pull out of that Zoom call in such a way that it gets a physical reaction out of a kid on every page of the book. Okay. And then I present the story to the customer. And so often I was presenting these stories and I knew that they were winners. Like in some cases I'd already tested them out on classrooms because I was still Zoom touring at the time. Okay. Like okay. I, I, there was no money in Zoom touring, but I was doing it because I, I love to, to tour. So I was, I was like, Hey guys, you know, I just read, you know, one of my books and I'm like, I'm working on this, this other book. Can I share it with you? So I would read them a customer project. So in a lot of cases, I knew these were winning like stories that were like getting good reactions, but the customer would be like, Oh, I don't know. That's not really the story. And I'd have to rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. And so the two biggest things that I had to figure out there were just like, how can I do zoom calls with the customer where I'm figuring out as much as I can so that I don't have to do a lot of rewriting. And then also, how can I outsource all of this rewriting? Yeah, this is the, I guess, the content extraction phase, you know, trying to get somebody's sometimes decades of experience into, you know, 20, 30 pages, you know, of, of kids book content versus, you know, long form nonfiction. A side note, I'm looking at Scribe Media. You say, I run Scribe Media for kids books, basically. This is uh Tucker Max's company? Yes. Okay. I'm looking at their pricing page, $40,000 to have them uh, help you write your book. I think this is a fantastic 
business idea generation framework, like look at some of these big uh, high ticket players in whatever market you're like, maybe even somewhat familiar with and pivoting that to just a slightly different idea demographic, right? Like taking what they have done and say, well, okay, if I niche it down over here or I aim it slightly somewhere else, like, okay, there's an opportunity there. So I think that was really smart. What, so what happens next? So you, you, you do these Zoom calls and you're like, you know, kind of doing this back and forth rewrite process. You're realizing that $500 is way too low for this kind of work. But <laughs> what, what happens next? Well, I started a podcast called Purpose Driven Entrepreneur to run the strategy content-based networking, which is my friend James Carberry's book, Content-Based Networking. It's essentially, you can get a meeting with anybody that you want as long as the meeting, that's obviously like an overstatement, but you can get a meeting with most people if the purpose of the meeting is like, let's, let's create some content together that your audience would like, or let's, you know, let me shine my spotlight on you and, and put you on to the people that pay attention to me or whatever, you know, like I try not to oversell it. I've got, when I do a clip from Purpose Driven, it'll do a few thousand views, which is great. Most people, if they ever ask about my analytics or anything, that's enough to be, to be interesting, to be like, oh yeah, okay. I'd, I'd love to be on your show. Okay. There's a lot of danger in doing content-based networking where it's just like a bait and switch. Like, oh, I tricked you into getting a sales call with you. I don't do that. I just know that I have to meet my customers and I don't know how to do that quickly and at scale. And this is the way to do that at scale is to just interview them. And most of my early customers came from just hearing about what I was trying to create and going, oh, that's brilliant. I want to be a customer. So a lot of times I was raising my price just as I was going like, yeah, so I'm basically trying to create scribe media, except instead of a business book, it's your audience's favorite book to read with their kids. And they'd be like, holy cow, uh, what do you charge? <laughs> yeah. And so that that's where a lot of my early customers came from. Okay. This is, uh, there's a lot to unpack here. This is really interesting. So saying, okay, I need to have uh, conversations with customers because this is likely something that they're not, not necessarily seeking out, but if they hear about it, okay, that's kind of cool. I could see how that might be interesting, beneficial, exciting for my business. So you start the, start of the podcast, Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. And this sound, I've never heard it called content-based networking, but we did an episode with uh, Josh Elledge, uh, I want to say last year or two years ago, who was doing something really similar. I think his show had a similar sounding name, like The Thoughtful Entrepreneur or something, where he's like, I'm going to do podcast prospecting. And he was running his PR agency. I don't, he might not call it a PR agency, influencer agency kind of a thing. I'm going to do some targeted outreach on LinkedIn based on who my, you know, based on their profile, who I think might be a good fit for this service. And instead of, you know, immediately pitching the service, leading with uh, a different kind of ask that kind of stands out from the clutter, like, hey, would you want to be a guest on my podcast? You know, we've got this kind of reach on social media, like it's, you know, we want to feature you, we think you're doing great work. And then, you know, you use the podcast to kind of get to know the entrepreneur. And that's the first half an hour of any sales meeting anyways, is how he described it. So I think that's a really interesting approach. What was the, so this is just, you know, hey, I just started this podcast, cold outreach, and that was, and that was enough? That was effective? I found that typically if I saw that they were on a show that already features the types of people that I wanted to meet, 
I would just say, hey, saw that you were on blah, blah, blah. would love to have you guest, as a guest on Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Okay. That was enough to get almost any of, of those people to say yes. So thank you, Author Hour. Thank you, Entrepreneurs on Fire. Thank you, several shows that just already regularly feature the types of people that I would like to know. Okay. So using their prospecting as potential guests to reach out to say, Hey, you were just on author hour. You were just on EO fire. And that's where you send a, send an email and say, Hey, you want to come on purpose driven entrepreneur? Yes. Except I found that emails weren't getting responded to probably because Gmail is just so good. So I would just do cold connection requests on LinkedIn, followed by a message that said, Hey, saw that you were on blah, blah, blah. I would love to have you as a guest on purpose driven. And I found that the trick is make it really short and make sure that the thing that you're asking them to do is all about them. Okay. And in this case, it is. It's a, it's a podcast invite. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how that is effective. So what happens when you get somebody on the call? You record the podcast, and how do you avoid turning that into, uh, ah, I gotcha, you know, now, now it's time for my sales pitch. I think my advice to anybody who would do this would be, make sure that if you're having a sales conversation, or if you're trying to have a sales conversation, that you're selling something that this other person genuinely wants or else you're not having a sales conversation. Or if you're going to try to start a sales conversation, really just propose the idea and see how they respond to it. It's more like flirting than anything else. Um, so that's what I would do is I would just, I would just propose the idea like, Hey, if you were to, if your business were to ever make a kid's book just for fun, like what would it be about? And depending on how they respond kind of gives me an idea of whether they'd maybe be interested in a sales conversation. Okay. And I imagine it's, it's kind of natural for people to ask, well, you know, aside from this podcast, what do you do? And then you know, it's an invitation exactly. To, exactly. to explain it. Okay. Yeah. And I would try, I, I got better at it over time, like to the point where now I let the guest know what it is that my company does before we ever hit record on the podcast. So that if they were to say something like, oh my gosh, we should do a kid's book. They already know that what they're saying is that they'd like to have a sales conversation. Yeah. How long have you been doing the show now? 115, 116. I can't remember the exact number of episodes, okay. but about a year. Okay. Doing a couple of week at that pace then? Yes. It feels like more than that, <laughs> but I... That. <laughs> I guess it's not. <laughs> Content-based networking. Really cool idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you've got, you know. I think Josh got it from James. No no offense to Josh, but I, I know that I know that they're connected and I, I think they've been into like some masterminds together or something. Sure. No, it makes a lot of sense as a way to cut through the clutter and get people on the phone, you know, or get people on. Uh... It's the go-to. I've done it with so many different things. Me, I was just having lunch with James earlier today and we were talking about, he wants to like start building connections with churches to try to get them to do this, this product idea. It's not really a product, it's a ministry, but we were like, how are we going to get connections with churches at scale? And we're just like, we're going to start a podcast where we ask the exact decision maker on the show because that's what works. Right. Yeah. If you, No need to reinvent the wheel there. Okay. So somebody, so you do the podcast, somebody says, yeah, this is compelling. And then you jump on this Zoom call to try and extract content or after, you know, after they say yes and say, I want to go uh, move ahead with this, you do the Zoom call. I'm curious about, I guess, the next step of fulfillment logistics because you're, it sounds like you have the outsourced illustrator or you have an illustrator on your team. You're not drawing the pictures and stuff yourself, but like from, from conversation to book is still 
a little bit of a hurdle to turn you know the Zoom call into a into a product. This is like I love these kinds of problems because it's just a matter of breaking down all the essential steps and then filling those steps with the right person. And I, I got really lucky because I met a really talented writer really early, and I met him through LinkedIn. I can't remember who connected me. Not important. But anyways, super talented writer. I've tried to hire several different writers. And this particular one has stuck with me. I probably need to really start putting some effort into finding more writers because it's not good that my company basically hinges on one person's talent. Although the reality is I can do this. Like I'm an author. I'm an illustrator. If it were necessary and I had to for a while, I could fill the shoes of the writer in the process. But like, so putting it on the writer where the writer is responsible for the outcome. So essentially, I'll pay the writer twice. I'll pay the writer to draft a manuscript off of the story design calls. And then I pay the writer a second time when the customer approves the manuscript. And then it's it's a flat fee both times. And then it's just completely on the writer to like however much it takes to get from step one to step two. But once we're at step two, then it goes off to illustration and we have a team of illustrators that there's a few key steps in that process. The first one is we sketch a storyboard where we do a like a really messy sketch of every page of the book. Okay. Uh, we show that to the customer. There's just all these little steps along the process. Takes about uh, four months. We've gotten it down to about four months. On the beginning, it was like, oh, it took us eight months. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, remember, remember this project that you signed up for? Okay. Dialing in that fulfillment logistics. So out of these... 115 episodes, do you have a sense of the conversion rate, so to speak, or the take rate from the guests? Yeah, it's better than one in 10. We've done 100 and I'm terrible at math. Uh, We have 30, 30 customers since we started. And most of them have come through the podcast. Okay, that's awesome, man. So that's, um, I mean, not all of them are at the, you know, five to $6,000 price point. But you, you mentioned kind of stepping up the price as you have gone along. And it's become a thing. It's become a pretty substantial operation here. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. 
Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Anything else on the marketing front here, aside from the content-based networking to have these types of targeted conversations? So far, content-based networking and events. Events has been the other thing. If I have a customer, I just, I'm lucky in that a lot of the customers that we have put on events. So if I go to an event that a customer is putting on, that customer will brag about me and I'll get business from that. Do you have an example of that? So just recently we went to MM4, which is put on by Jake and Gino. Uh, they're a customer of ours. They're a, a, uh, they're doing their sequel right now. We're in the process on their sequel and it's amazing. And Julia Barbaro is the, is the author. So that's Gino's wife. And they bragged about us at MM4 and we got, I want to say, four customers out of that. Is that something you may not even need to be there. And I guess it's helpful. Like if you're in the front row of the audience and super helpful, <laughs> we, we, we closed them right there at the event. We were like, we're take, we're taking security deposits for people that want to get added to the production timeline. So we, we, we were taking $500 to put someone in our production timeline. Okay. Fair enough. Aside from the events, anything else that's kind of a cool way, especially if, if it's your customer, but any other events where you're kind of coming in, without that level of pre-networking? Yeah, well, so I think that I need to go to more events, period. Because when I go to events that are filled with entrepreneurs, they find what I do just very interesting because it's so different from what everybody's doing. And I've done, I've gone to a couple of events where I just kind of barely knew the person that invited me and walked out with customers. You know, that's just been an amazing I don't really have a lot of money to spend on going to events, but each time I've spent the money and gone and just kind of like gone in faith, I've ended up leaving with customers. Yeah. I don't know what it costs to get a, you know, a booth at the podcast movement expo hall or something like that. But yeah, putting yourself front and center at these you know, entrepreneurial events seems like um, an interesting way to go. And then doing the targeted outreach, especially if the person already has invested the time effort, energy, money into, you know, the grown-up nonfiction book about their expertise. Like, so they already see the value in self-publishing or publishing in general. You'd say, hey, you know, have you thought about making the kids version? Like, it's a, I imagine a little bit of a warmer conversation than somebody who, you know, doesn't have a book to their name yet. I don't know. Have you found that to be true? Yes. So, for example, whenever I'm interviewing a past Scribe customer that runs a very successful business, that person usually becomes a customer. Okay, because they're using the book. And this is true of just pretty much all self-publishing or all you know book publishing in general. Like it's a top of the funnel type of product where it's a low price point. You know, the people who are doing really well with it either, you know, have a massive portfolio of titles and they, you know, keep cranking out new books, 
or it's an introductory offer to, you know, get into their ecosystem, right? You can go to, you can buy Tony Robbins book, or you can, you know, go to his $10,000 five day, you know, walk on fire, you know, seminar workshop type of thing. Yeah. So trying to find people with that mindset who see your service as not necessarily just a means to an end, but like they understand the inherent value of that. Do you do anything with that expectation? Like, look, you're not going to make a ton on book royalties, most likely. So you kind of have to explore different ROI avenues for these customers or, or did you find that conversation doesn't come up? Oh, we're in this conversation <laughs> now with everybody because we've, we've got 15 people that have finished and their book is done. Okay. And now they're going, oh, it, it's almost like they didn't think about it or they forgot about it. And now they're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get anybody to read this? Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now that's a fun problem, but it's, it's a tough problem. I personally solved it with sweat, you know, just touring. But people that don't want to solve the problem that way, which is everybody, have to solve it a different way. And my general thesis is that you should do a couple of things. One, use your kid's book strategically as a business card when you are going to events or doing things where the goal is relationship building with targeted with a target like type of person. Like, I want to go to this event. I want to meet these kinds of people. Um, I want to build relationships with them. This is a really cool, it's better than a business card. You, 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 there's built-in follow-up. You're going to ask them what their kids thought of the book or what their grandkids thought of the book. So there's that. Like getting, I got to get all my customers doing that. They all need to bake it into their sales process, their customer onboarding, or their contract renewal time process. And then they should use it with influencers like give the give the kids book as a gift to influencers try to build relationships with influencers and make offers to those influencers to brag about your book and i.e what it is that you do have you found that similar influencer outreach has worked for you to send maybe samples of your work i'm trying to think of other ways you know to really pour fuel on the marketing fire i don't know what your capacity looks like but it seems like if you know you have these books that you and your customers are proud of. It's like, well, how, I, you know, the more of them to get out into the world, the better it is for you. This is a problem I'm currently trying to figure out, but the short answer to your question is yes. Lucas, the dinosaur entrepreneur became a number one bestseller because of a mom influencer named Melissa Hughes. She did an amazing post about Lucas. And then I just did a reaction to that post. And both of our posts got a ton of engagement. Mine personally got 90,000 views and I grew 3,000 followers on TikTok just from that one post. Wow. And sold 400 copies of Lucas in a couple of days. Jeez. And it jumped to number one. Yeah, my uh, oldest, we ordered that one up a couple of weeks ago. My oldest was loving it, you know, about the flabby dog and making fun of the dog. And, you know, the dad is like, you know, you gotta, you gotta make money to spend money. And he says, well, that's, <laughs> that's like saying you gotta make breakfast to eat breakfast. He loves that line. So, um, Yes, yes. Ah, I'm so glad somebody else likes that. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about, about reaction triggers. So I'm trying to make a point there of like the dad is saying, here's how you make money, you get a job. And in that moment, I want to throw in something there that's going to make a kid laugh. Yeah, get a job. I'm seven years old or something. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm seven. (laughs) Uh, And you got to do that with every moment of the book. 
And then I like to throw in like little nods to that only a parent would get like his, he goes to like his like magic eight ball is a Gary, the Velociraptor yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that he shakes to get an answer. <laughs> yeah. Tons of fun. Anything that has surprised you in the last 12 months? I can't believe that. Um, so every month I'm worried that we're going to run out of money next month or the following month because I don't have a monthly recurring revenue model. So I have to catch what, what is it? You got to catch what you eat. I forget how that expression yeah. goes. Catch what I eat every month. That's been, or eat, eat what you kill or something. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 That's been tough, but it's just been awesome that like every month there's been money to pay payroll and I get to keep doing this thing that I love to do, which is make kids books. Like I essentially, I started dinosaur house because of two reasons. One I want to be a customer of Dinosaur House. Like I literally want to make a thousand kids books. And the other reason is I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Like I don't have a strong, like tight, like buddy, buddy kind of relationship with my dad. I wish I did. And it really bothers me that, that that's a problem. Like I'll ask adults all the time, like, Hey, what's your relationship like with your dad? Like I'll ask like adult men, like what's your relationship like with your dad? And it's, you don't get a lot of answers that are like, Oh, we're like best buds. Like that just doesn't happen. And I really want to do something about that. And I think part of that is kids books is a vehicle for getting a a dad and their kid to connect. Yeah. We're pretty grateful to have uh, lots of reading time in our house. So, so yeah, I think that is, is a, is a worthwhile mission for sure. Are you doing anything on the recurring revenue front? I have been in that same boat where it's kind of stressful. It's like every, every month, like sure it has been predictable and it's been pretty consistent but not a lot of, you know, on the first of the month, like not a lot of the next 30 days is spoken for. What do you suggest? Uh, well, like, so the way Scribe <laughs> has it set up is like they break up that 40 grand into eight monthly payments. Yes. And I think you could do something yes. similar. Like, well, if we're going to have multiple yes. well, Zoom we, calls. We definitely, okay. yeah, we definitely do that. The thing is, though, I almost always would rather take the money up front as a lump sum. So I, I always go for that first. Because I'd just rather I'd just rather have the money now so that I can bake it in. Yeah, I, maybe there's an opportunity like for an ancillary, you know, marketing add-on service. You know, once the thing is published, you know, we'll help you get the word out with social media support and influencer outreach or something. Maybe add on a little like book marketing agency uh, to the back end or something. Um, I don't know. Yes, that's been the number one idea so far. And then my other big idea is to pivot again, uh, not leave Dinosaur House, not stop doing Dinosaur House, but just because I've, ha- I've had so many conversations with Scribe customers and they all have the exact same problem. They don't know what to do to market the book that they just spent $40,000 making. And so there's just massive opportunity right there. Like if anybody listening wants to go like, oh, I know what to do with the book that they just made, spent $4,000 making, like to get it to be mass massively read as far as i know scribe doesn't have an answer that's really compelling yeah it's this it's the book is a business card but until you can get people to have that business card in their hand it's just a paperweight so that's the that's a big challenge yeah i mean i think generally speaking like everyone should be building audience everyone everyone who's trying to build a business should also be trying to build audience because if you have the audience you have the leverage and you can always roll out stuff that your audience wants to monetize your audience. And so if you're not going to make a product so that you can sell it to your audience, 
then make a product so that you can use it to help grow an audience. But that just means you're spending a lot of money. Yeah. Anything you'd do differently along the way if you had to start over? I probably would have charged more. I mean, this is pretty obvious, but I would have charged more in the beginning. <laughs> like so, so much sooner. Uh, like I just kept slowly raising my prices. My self-esteem went up basically. But every time I would get a customer, they would go, I'm in. Also, 2K is too low. Like I'll pay 2K and you need to get your next customer to pay more than that. Like, <laughs> like the conversation would go like that. <laughs> okay. That's a, it's like a red flag as to the, to the business owner. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't know how you do it any other way though, where it's like, you just, you just keep testing a higher price. I, I tested 10 K for a while and it was really hard to sell at 10 K. So we went back down. Like we have, there is, I think a 10 K version of the product, but I've only sold it three times. Okay. Well, Timmy, this has been awesome. I'm excited by what you're doing. You know, more kids books out in the world is, is a good thing. What's next for you? What are you excited about these days? I have never done one of those EOS. EOS does this, they have the leadership do this thing where they have a 10 year target, a three year picture and a one year um, set of goals. What's, what's EOS? It's the entrepreneurial operating system. There's a book called traction. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just did it with a friend for their business um, and I'm really excited to do it for Dinosaur House. And another thing that you figure out when you do this, it's like a day long thing that you do with a, a group of, if you had a, a like an executive leadership team, you would do it with your executive leadership team. In my case, it would be me, my wife, and my mentors and, you know, best friends who are entrepreneurs, we would get together and we would do it and figure out what's the vision for Dinosaur House? What's the mission? Like, what's our big problem that we're trying to solve. Okay. What's our 10 year target? What's our three year picture? What is our one year set of goals? And I've never done it. And I've always wrestled with like, what is, I I know about some unholy discontents that I have, like what I was talking about, about, I want to connect dads specifically. I mean, it should be parents, but just in my heart, it's dads specifically with their kids to form best bud relationships. So I think that's going to be in there, but I can't wait to actually get with some of my best friends and mentors and, and flesh this stuff out. The Entrepreneur Operating System. This is Traction by Gino Wickman. So we'll link that up in the show notes for you. Dinosaurhouse.com. Check Timmy out over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Find people that are already successful and start building relationships with them because <laughs> they will help make you successful. It's all good. It's like your network is your net worth in a lot of ways. You know, the probably the most, you know, overquoted things like, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, but there's a lot of truth in that. So I, I get that. Build those relationships up. Timmy, thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Big thanks to Tommy again for sharing his insight. You can find him at dinosaurhouse.com. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Your 30-day free trial of bookkeeping bliss awaits you at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where we're catching up with one of my favorite guests who took his hours for dollars side hustle and turned it into something with a lot more scale. I'll see you then. Hustle on.